Hi, it's Mark Sinkowitz. Last month, I had the pleasure of attending the National Association of Plant Breeders annual meeting in Ames, Iowa. As always, I sat down with this year's Borlaug scholars to talk about their career, where they're headed, and why the Borlaug scholarship is of value to them. The NAPB Borlaug Scholars Program strengthens the plant breeding profession by helping support attendance of future leaders at the NAPB annual meeting. Emmanuel Gonzalez grew up in El Centro, California, where he developed an interest in both astronomy and plants. He's now a PhD student at the University of Arizona School of Plant Sciences. His research involves leveraging sensor technology, high-performance computing, and machine learning to extract phenotypic trait information from the world's largest robotic field scanner. The tools and methods developed throughout his research contribute to the worldwide effort aimed at developing resilient crops that can thrive in increasingly inhospitable environments. We talk about his work and how his love of astronomy led to a career in plant breeding. Enjoy our chat. Emmanuel, thank you for sitting down with me. Thank you for having me. Now, you grew up in El Centro, California, where you developed an interest in both astronomy and plants. Now, that's an interesting combination. How did that sense of wonder at the universe sort of influence your decision to be a plant breeder? So I grew up, uh, you know, looking up at the stars and thinking, wow, there's a lot out there. So at a young age, my mom bought me a telescope, uh, really inexpensive telescope, couldn't really see much, but you could see just how amazing it was out in the universe. And that initial curiosity drove me to look at plants mainly because of my family. Uh, So my family is made up of primarily migrant field workers. So my grandfather uh, worked in lettuce fields in the Imperial Valley, and I was just interested in the stories that he would come home to tell us. So I thought, well, plants have also uh, undergone a lot of changes over the years through domestication. So to me, there was a connection there, the complexity of the universe and the complexity of the plants that we see today. Now, your research involves leveraging sensor technology, high-performance computing, and machine learning to extract phenotypic trait information from the world's largest robotic field scanner at the University of Arizona. Now that sounds fascinating to a layman like me. What exactly are you doing and and what have you discovered with this? Yeah, this is a question I get a lot. And I like to describe the field scanalyzer as a robot that travels along rails and takes pictures of plants. Now, these pictures include RGB cameras, like the, the camera that you would have on your phone, thermal images that tell us about the temperature of a plant, PS2 images that tell us about the photosynthetic efficiency, and lastly, 3D point cloud data that gives us a three-dimensional reconstruction of a plant. So my goal here is to take all of these different types of data and ultimately extract information about plants, and more importantly, how they grow and respond to drought conditions. So out in the middle of nowhere, Maricopa, Arizona, is this 30-ton robot and that collects about 20 to 30 terabytes of data combined with all the sensors that I discussed. 
So in order to extract data from this, we need to leverage high-performance computing, which in, in, in short allows us to process many, many pieces of data at once. And then comes in machine learning. Machine learning allows us to generalize the analysis of these data. So we train our models based upon the two crop species that I work with most often, which are sorghum and lettuce. But then you can generalize our processing workflows to then be amenable to processing any other type of crop species data. So that's really how we leverage all of these different emerging and existing technologies. And it's really boiling it down to being able to understand how plants respond to inhospitable environments. Now, the tools and methods developed throughout your research contribute to a, a worldwide effort aimed at developing resilient crops that can thrive in increasingly inhospitable environments. Now, climate change is a concern for all of us, obviously. What are some examples of some of the, the progress you've made in this area? So as we think about climate change, we need to be able to understand how plants are going to respond to less water increasing temperatures, things of that nature. And what this translates to in science is being able to analyze data, right, of crops grown under real-world conditions. So most of my research has revolved around developing workflows, computational workflows that allow us to then extract this information. One of the biggest bottlenecks uh, currently in the field is the ability to actually do image analysis at scale. So one of my greatest uh, contributions has been in developing these workflows that other scientists and my own group can leverage in actually studying uh, drought conditions. Now this is important because when we think about most research that's happening right now, there's a lot of UAV data coming through the pipeline, the breeding pipeline. Uh, but when we look at the level of detail that we're going to have to study crops in, these data are going to get larger and larger. We need higher resolution data to be able to extract a single leaf to determine how its angle is changing in response to drought. We need to get really close to the canopy to be able to understand and be able to uh, quantify how it's responding photosynthetically. So my greatest contribution has been that in being able to merge data science, machine learning, and eventually plant science and plant breeding to be able to provide tools to the breeding community, to the plant science community in general, uh, and also advance my own research. And what are some of the biggest challenges that you have in this area? Never mind successes, but, but some of the hardest things that maybe you haven't, the, the hurdles you haven't been able to get over yet. Great question. And this is something that keeps me up at night. Uh, you know, one of the hardest things uh, currently is in merging different types of data. So for example, we might be interested in studying photosynthesis out in the field. We may be interested in studying how this ultimately affects the above ground biomass, for example, or the weight of a plant. And all of this uh, you know, is really difficult to visualize. We can see that numerically, but I think oftentimes there are insights that come from looking at data in a different way. So one of the hardest parts in a project like the one that I work on is in being able to visualize data to then inform us of what interesting phenotypes we may not be picking up with our existing workflows. Um, this is something that many people within uh, 
within plant breeding and plant science are currently struggling with. And it's something that we're trying to address through the methods that we're developing, and that's primarily in leveraging machine learning to identify every plant in our field, give it a unique tag, and then be able to track that plant throughout all of our data types that are currently present within the field scanner. Do you have a particularly uh, favorite crop that for you stands out above the others that you like to work with? Yeah, so I like working with, uh, it, well, I work with two crops, sorghum and lettuce. With lettuce, it's a bit easier to phenotype. It's just a big ball of water, as I call it, um, that just sticks above the ground, so it's really easy to phenotype that. But I think more interestingly uh, is sorghum. So I deal with sorghum and an EMS population. This is uh, mutagenized. We induce mutations in this plant to see and study how these mutations possibly affect phenotypes. Um, and sorghum is a really interesting crop. It's very drought resilient. Um, so oftentimes I walk out into the field and I'm like, how are these plants not dying? It's like 110 degrees outside Fahrenheit and they're just thriving. And that's really what we're after is being able to identify what makes sorghum so resilient and if we do mutate it, what are the effects that it causes uh, to the plant? You enjoy mentoring students from diverse academic backgrounds ranging from computer science to life sciences. For you, what makes a good mentor? So to me, a good mentor is someone that listens. I think it's really important because oftentimes we hear someone, but we don't listen to what they're saying. So throughout my mentoring experiences, this is something that I've tried to develop. Uh, sitting down and listening what the other person, my mentee, uh, is saying. And, you know, oftentimes we learn a lot from people in diverse fields. And I've made it a, an effort to actually get out there and learn from different fields. So, for example, I work a lot with computer science undergraduates, uh, information science undergraduates. Right now, I'm currently mentoring forward people. Uh, and this is on top of my research, so sometimes, you know, it's, it's hard to find the time. But I make the time because just as they are learning from me in terms of the computational components of plant science and also the biological reasons as to why we're doing these things, I'm learning from them, right, how to write code a bit more efficiently because they have more background in that than I do. Uh, or how to, you know, think about training a model in a way that I haven't before. Uh, I'll give you an example. Uh, one of our students um, was interested in labeling 3D models of plants. Now, this is time consuming because it's three dimensions and you have to like pan around, zoom around. And what he thought of was, well, let's do some shape fitting. And what this translated into is basically us being able to do a form of pre-processing that reduced the amount of uh, time that we had to spend at the computer actually annotating or labeling our data. And this is important because this is one of those situations where like listening to other students, taking what they're thinking into account, and eventually letting them really develop their curiosity and their willingness to try new things. So that's another thing that makes a, a good mentor is allowing people to really, you know, fly and, and soar and then be like, wow, th that's great. You know, what you thought of was something that really had an impact on the project and is really going to help us move forward what it is that we're trying to do here in terms of our research. 
Now, before I let you go, uh, we're here in Ames, Iowa for the 2022 National Association of Plant Breeders meeting. Uh, you're a Borlaug Scholar. Congratulations. What does it mean for you to be here at this year's NEPB meeting as a, as a Borlaug Scholar? First, thank you for your congratulations. And what this means to me is being able to expand my scope. Uh, so I mentioned early in our conversation, uh, my research is really in merging data science and plant science. And oftentimes, right, we may be so into one particular side of that project that we get lost. And I think coming here and having this opportunity uh, and really being this hybrid scientist gives me a better sense for what do we actually need to make crops that are resilient to changing climates. So coming out here to Iowa and seeing all the corn, which is very closely related to sorghum, uh, is really awesome, right? Because you get to hear the history, the domestication process, and just how complex many of the things that we take for granted are. So it's really in expanding that scope and seeing where my research fits into this much larger picture. Thank you so much for sitting down with me. Well, thank you, Mark. For more coverage of this year's NAPB meeting, visit seedworld.com slash NAPB 2022. Thanks for listening.